If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you are visiting with us, I told you it was going to be weird and awkward. See, I proved it. Um, so we've been talking through what I've called the nuts and bolts of ministry, a philosophy of ministry that my real hope is that it, it just gives us an experience of all being on the same page. Oh, that this is who we are and this is what we do and, and this is why we do what we do. And so we've heard um, a purpose for ministry that we want to be a church that seeks to reach and nurture and equip God's people for God's worship and His service in God's world. So we really want to be about those things. And that our goals in order to fulfill that purpose would be that we would really know Christ. Not just know about Him, but that we would personally know Him. That we would grow in grace, every one of us. That we would be transformed more and more into being like Christ Himself. So that we can thirdly, be the church in the world. Actually do something and bear fruit for the Lord. We then heard five weeks on different principles. And those principles are what we believe we must pound with clarity in the Christian church. That is Scripture, justification, adoption, sanctification, glorification. That if we're going to know Christ and grow in Him and be the church, we've got to know those principles. We've got to be defined by those principles. Now this morning, we're transitioning into another few weeks where we're going to talk about, and this is where it may sound weird, we're going to talk about ministry presuppositions. And, and this is not a seminar, and this is not a classroom, but I just need you to know how I see us thinking about ministry. And there are presuppositions that I hope to go over in the next few sermons. And this morning is on presupposition number one. We'll get to that in a moment, but give your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ no longer counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray for God's blessing on His Word. Lord, would You take these few minutes now when we consider Your Word and we pray a right application of it, a right understanding of it, because our goal, our hope, Lord, is that we really would be found faithful in being Your church. Do this, we ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
So I loved our children singing this morning, and they've echoed in those songs some very things that I want to highlight this morning. And so for the kids who just sang, let me speak to you for a second and say this. Don't you love the story of David and Goliath? Incredible story. But do you think as Israel, and even David himself, though he spoke words of great courage, as he was having to face that great giant in Scripture, do you think it made sense to him? Do you think he could have been a little fearful, a little concerned, especially the spectators of the army of Israel? I know that when we read Old Testament stories and some of the fabulous redemptive characters and stories that the Lord used to unfold the one true story that it was all about, Jesus, sometimes we feel so disconnected from it or it becomes so Sunday school-like that we forget how afraid these people spectating were. That there wasn't this great overwhelming sense of confidence. There was a great sense of uncertainty often in the lives of God's people. All these wonderful stories, Old Testament and New, things the saints were called to do, a lot of times there was a lot of fear and trepidation, a lot of uncertainty. Sometimes there was this mysterious, calm confidence because people had been convinced that God was at work. And that's the theme of our sermon this morning. So first, two points this morning. Number one, well, what is a presupposition? You're talking about ministry presuppositions. What's a presupposition if that language is unfamiliar to you? Quite simply, it is this. It's what we presuppose or assume to be true. It's our understanding of what is categorically true. It's not up for debate. It's not up for argument. We understand that it's just true. Think sunrise, sunset, gravity. Fire is hot. Ice is cold. Feathers are soft. And rocks are hard. Categorically, it's all just true. That's what a presupposition is. I'm not going to argue with you about whether or not fire is hot and ice is cold. I mean, it's just true. So if we have a conversation about hot and cold, you just need to know I understand those things to be true, right? So we have presuppositions in ministry. You have to have presuppositions in ministry. And ministry presupposition number one out of the gate is this. God is at work. God is doing something. God has always been doing something. God is continuing to do something, and He will bring it to completion. That is just an assumption out of the gate. And you may not share that presupposition, uh, but I do, and our denomination does. And we believe that it's evident in the Scriptures. And I'd like to take a few minutes looking at that. Presupposition number one, God is at work. God has always been at work. Well, what has He always been at work doing? He's always been at work growing a kingdom. Creating a people for Himself, for His own glory, which you can do when you're God, and for the worship of His one true and holy name. He has always been doing that throughout redemptive history. If you're familiar with your Old Testament, 
You need to know that is the story from Genesis 1 on, is God is at work. Consider how God was at work. Adam. God purposed to form the first man from the dust of the earth and to breathe life into him that he might be a living and worshiping creature. God was at work. Or consider Noah. Because the first man, Adam's sin, had corrupted the earth and all of creation, God was at work again and purposed to save a remnant through an ark, giving meticulous, ingenious architectural plans, creating a vessel that withstood 40 days and nights of punishing rain. How could that be true? Because God was at work. Or consider Abraham. God purposed to make covenant with a man and his offspring, promising to be their God and that they would be His people, that He would distinguish them from the world and promise them a rich inheritance that they could not earn but would receive by faith. How could that be true? But God was at work. Now when Abraham was called to sacrifice Isaac, you think he was fully confident? You think it made sense to him in the moment? But did he know that somehow the God who has spoken to me, he's got to be at work. He's got to be at work. I trust him by faith. Or consider Joseph. God purposed to show favor to the one brother over and above all the others. Though he was despised and attacked, he knew, Joseph knew, that God was at work. And he would even say that what they, my brothers, meant for evil, God will make for my good. How can that be possible? To be sold into slavery, to be treated so harshly, but to have a drumbeat in your own heart and mind that says, but God is at work. God is at work. Or Moses. Consider Moses. Though Pharaoh's edict sought to kill all male Hebrew children, God was at work to provide the makings of a basket and a woman to not only spare him, but to even place him in the center of the palace and in the center of the story of redemptive history. All these details, everything needed to make the story go well is because God was at work accomplishing His promised purposes. Consider David. Because God was at work, an undersized Hebrew lad equipped with a sling and a stone could boldly confront a nine foot tall... Now the song we just sang said ten ten feet... And I didn't know they were doing this story, but here it is. A Philistine warrior dropping him to his knees with ease. How could that be possible? God was at work. Now the same thing could be said throughout the New Testament in every character in every story of the New Testament. Mary, a young virgin made to be with child. That is impossible unless God is at work. Or the twelve disciples 
called out of the world to bear witness and testimony to the Christ and taking that witness and testimony boldly to their own death. Even the one who would betray Jesus, the Scriptures tell us, it was God's will. That how that story played out, played out because God was at work. Or even lastly, consider Paul's thorn in the flesh. Something to contend with his ministry, to make it harder. Or Paul's shipwreck and the interruption of his ministry. All those things, all those details played out in such a way to demonstrate that God was at work. So you hear the theme of the sermon this morning. God is at work. God was at work. God will always be at work. That is what we believe by faith. From Genesis to Revelation, a divine master of ceremonies has been at work. Do you believe that? Do you believe that about the stories of the Old Testament? Do you believe it about the stories of the New Testament? Do you believe it in the present? Because it all goes together as one package. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Do you hear that? That is just a tiny little subtraction of a 200-word sentence, I think it is. Longest sentence in the New Testament. Where Paul just effuses with this doctrinal knowledge, all underscoring the fact that God is sovereign over every detail. He always has been even when it doesn't feel like it. Even when it doesn't feel like it. Even when it feels like the story breaks bad. Or when we're faced with the impossible. God is still at work. God is at work through catastrophic or seemingly catastrophic events. Now, we could spend a long time on this. Perhaps some of you would like to have a cup of coffee and discuss with Pastor Archie in the weeks ahead. <laughs> Pastor Paul, are you saying floods and fires and plagues and deaths and viruses and tsunamis and tornadoes are all under the hand of God's sovereign hand? Yes. Yes, I am. Twenty-something years ago when I began as the chaplain at Erskine College and was responsible to coordinate seminars, some of you, I don't know if anybody here was there, remember the very first lecture I was responsible to oversee, I asked Dr. Terry Eaves, who some of you remember, the late Dr. Terry Eaves, to lecture on this subject. It was a year and one day after 9-11. So it was September 12, 2002. And he spoke to a room full of college faculty and college students on this subject, on 9-11. If God is sovereign and God is good, how can things like 9-11 happen in His world? Sounds like a pretty good lecture topic, doesn't it? Fascinating. Think through that. Can you answer that question? Does your faith have the underpinnings to be able to say how all things, mysterious as they are to us, 
that we believe God oversees all things for His own glory. There is no maverick molecule in the universe, as has been said. That's our view according to Scripture. That's how we view the world in which we live. Shorter Catechism number 11, and I know I quote it every week, but that's intentional. We need to know what it says. The question is, what are God's works of providence? That is His sovereign control. What does that mean that God's sovereign? It says God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all of His creatures and all of their actions which is to say, God oversees all things. Whatsoever comes to pass, He has allowed and foreordained. That is a weighty statement. That should maybe rattle some of you. Maybe that will produce a cup of coffee in the weeks ahead. It also means that God is sovereign and at work through humanity's inventions and devices. I don't want to think about this with you for a moment. That God is at work, and there's evidence of God being at work through humanity's inventions and devices. I was reminded this week of the benefit of Johann Gutenberg's printing press, invented in 1450. And what I was reading reminded us that it would be in 1517, of course, that the Protestant Reformation would take place. And that invention of the printing press those years earlier had set the stage for mass communication, mass distribution of truth. And so there's a sense in which Gutenberg helped to fuel the efficiency, the productivity of the Protestant Reformation and the reclaiming of the Gospel and the communicating of that far and wide in a culture. And you know, that's exactly right. God is at work in that. Now, you can also use that printing press and distribute false and untrue things. But we see that with every device and invention of man. But let's see that God is at work through the imagination of men and women and inventions and devices. And He uses those in the kingdom. The invention of paper and ink. The invention of the wheel. The invention of the nail and the ability to construct things. Electricity, radio, television, the internet, medicine, nautics, and aeronautics. All of those things have in some way had something to do with the kingdom of God as they've been harnessed and used by God through His church to take the gospel far and wide to foreign peoples and foreign lands. Do you see that? That's God at work. God at work through humanity. John Calvin says this, God's reign is not one by which He sits idly in heaven, looking from a distance at what is taking place in the world, but it is one by which He, as it were, holds the helms and overrules all events. Is that your view of God's sovereignty and of God being at work in the world? Or do you think, as a deist would, that, well, he's there, but he's not very intimately interested and concerned 
with what we do in our daily affairs and our daily life. That's a deist view. That is not our view of God and His care for the world and for His service and ministry through the church. Second point. God continues to be at work now, and He does not withdraw from us at any time. I want you to think through practically what this means. That means that God is at work right now through geopolitical events. We don't know what He's doing. Ultimately, we know how all things will conclude for His glory. But in the present, lots of confusion, lots of uncertainty, lots of unrest. That means God is sovereign over the details of Russia, the details of the Ukraine, the details of America, our politics, our inflation, our gas prices. We don't like any of it. But can you say, but God's at work? Don't know what He's doing. But God reigns on His throne. You see, that's a Christian perception. And we can seek to influence and change and improve culture and bring redemption into it. But ultimately, the outcome is the Lord's. So say the Scriptures. What do you say? It means that God is still at work through seemingly catastrophic events. Our diagnoses, our car accidents, our not getting accepted to the school of our choice, our losing a job, all horrible to live through, painful, difficult. But can you in your heart of faith say, but God is at work. Somehow, some way, He is going to glorify Himself. My faith remains in Him. And then thirdly, God is at work through the mundane events and details of your life. Yours, my boring life. God is at work. Do you believe that? Now, it's Father's Day. It's the day to celebrate dads in our culture. Interestingly, I think dads have probably never been more despised in our culture than they are now. The the, the family unit as we define it seems to be despised. Nevertheless, we celebrate dads. They can buy cakes and birthday cards and culture makes money off of it and they're all happy. But let's do talk about dads in the ministry of the mundane for a moment. That God is at work through it. The ministry of the mundane, the small things. Talk with your children, Dad. Pray with your children, Dad. Play catch with your children, Dad. Or in my family, we call it playing drop. Sorry, boys. Time spent together shaping your children. Loving your children. Sharing with them about your mistakes. Your dumb mistakes. Having to call the Due West Volunteer Fire Department. A story my children need to understand because they're probably going to make the same mistakes themselves. Modeling repentance to our children, dads. Where else are they going to see it? How are they going to learn it? It is a ministry of the mundane. But God is at work. And some of you can think perhaps about time spent with fathers or grandfathers. Rides in the truck to go get ice cream. Nothing significant to it. 
but it shaped you. It influenced you. He spoke words that you still remember. See, God is at work through the mundane. We think it's got to be David defeating Goliath. Well, that's when God was at work. But God's at work in the small things. You're being faithful. You're modeling what church membership looks like. What singing and worshiping in church looks like. What belonging to a church fellowship looks like. These are the things that through the course of time shape our children. So just a word of encouragement to dads. Certainly all that applies to moms as well. But God is at work through the mundane. There was a quote in the newspaper I read last night that said this. It's got some proverbial truth to it. It says this, If you want to know what kind of father you were, don't look at your children. Look at your grandchildren. Oof, that's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? But there's some proverbial truth there. We'll find out down the road how God was at work through our parenting, probably in our grandchildren. May God bless all of that according to His own will. God is also at work certainly through parachurch ministries. Uh, This church uh, supports in prayer and financially a number of different parachurch ministries. Those are ministries that come alongside the church and do things assisting us. We heard from two in the last two weeks. The Pathway House and the Crisis Pregnancy Center. God is at work through those things. Every day, those people show up. We're doing our lives. They're doing theirs. And they're doing something. And God is at work through them. God at work. God's at work through Young Life. Through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Through radio programs and TV programs. As bad as some of them can seem, God is at work. I had a student in my ministry years ago. Some of you would know. Um, She shared her testimony with me. And she said, I'm a little bit embarrassed about my testimony. I said, never be embarrassed about your testimony. Why would you say that? And she said, well, I was converted in in a hell house event sponsored by a church that tried to scare the hell out of everybody. And she described it. And I was like, yeah, that is, that's bizarre. But God's at work. God's at work. And she's faithfully walking with the Lord and serving in the, in the PCA uh, in a critical ministry right now. More on that another day. All that's true. God is at work in all these different ways. But especially He's at work in one particular way. And I'll close with this. The Scriptures tell us, and our denomination is committed to this, we really believe God is especially at work through the local church, through the pulpit, through the preaching of His Word, the reading of His Word, the hearing of His Word, through Sunday school, through small groups, through various discipleship opportunities for men in the church, women in the church, youth in the church, through events of the church, conferences of the church, yea, even through pickleball, God is at work. And until you've seen it and experienced, that may sound odd to you, but we really do have this emphasis because God has given it to us on the local church. God does a a beautiful, miraculous thing through His ordinary means of grace where we get to experience for ourselves and remind each other every week that hashtag God is at work. As you share your stories of of God at work, how you maybe had a need for a job and the Lord provided it swiftly because God was at work. 
right? Beautiful stories unfolding around us all the time. I get to hear more of them than you do, but you should be sharing them with each other. There's great encouragement in being reminded that God is at work. Mission trips can be canceled on a short notice, and Christian brothers can tell each other, God's at work. Not what we thought was going to happen. God's still at work. We'll just wait and see what He does, when He does it, how He does it. Your life and my life filled with various kinds of disappointment, things not going the way we wanted. We didn't want our children to experience something hard, but then they did. But parents can say, but God's at work. He is accomplishing a purpose that cannot be thwarted. In conclusion, because God is at work, we have confidence. We have confidence. There are no need for gimmicks in ministry. There's no need to pursue fads in ministry. You don't need a pastor giving you hot takes on his opinions of current cultural circumstances. Because we believe God is at work, what we need is His Word. Read and preached and applied. And then we just stand back and watch God at work. Maybe it's a quick work. Maybe it's a slow work. But He's going to do something. Something for His glory. Something for His confidence. I'm so thankful for presupposition number one. For how it was pounded in my head as a young campus minister walking onto a college campus where we were taught and trained and equipped with this truth. That God was at work on that campus before you got there. And God will be at work on that campus after you leave. Because God is at work. And that mentality was so good for me as a young minister. And I bring that same mentality now to GPC. I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but I trust that He's at work. I know that my duty, my calling, is to bring the Gospel, to preach those principles, to be faithful to His Word, and then we'll just watch how God grows disciples. What comes of the children of the church, the, the youth of the church? We can't make anything happen, but we can preach the principles which is to preach the gospel. That's the same thing when I say that. So we have great confidence in ministry. Well, things could blow up and crash and burn. Well, God's at work. God's at work. So we trust the Lord. We trust His means of grace. We do what He's called us to do because God is at work. Now that same confidence that encourages me in ministry, that confidence is to belong to you as well. You're to share that same confidence in your life, in your daily, everyday life, that God is at work. In the ministry of the mundane of your life, God is at work. So whatever diagnosis, whatever calamity, whatever accident, whatever loss, whatever hurt, whatever crisis, the Christian by faith can say, oof, would have never chosen that myself. But I believe God is at work. He's accomplishing His purposes for His glory, and it may not make sense to me until eternity, but God is at work. We must remember God is sovereign over all the events of life. And if your faith is in Christ, then all things must work together for your good, even when it doesn't feel like it. Because God is at work. We're going to close in prayer and then in song. But as we sing this hymn by Isaac Watts, you'll pick up on this theme of God being sovereign and God being at work. 
But listen to this stanza, and then I'll pray. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. And clouds arise, and tempests blow, by order from thy throne. There's not a rebellious flower on the planet that can thwart the will of God. Let that bring you great comfort this morning. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we give You thanks for the promise that You are at work accomplishing Your purposes for Your glory. Lord, would You give us the faith to believe that when times are hard and confusing? Would You be near to Your people that we might embrace that truth, be comforted by it, and Lord, may that always be what propels us with confidence in the ministry. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.